Hello, everyone. My name is Greg, and welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. In this podcast, I interview people who work for resorts, hotels, cruise ships, and airlines, and even people who wrote travel books, and we'll talk about their first season in the travel and tourism industry. My guest today and I have uh, never met officially. We met through Facebook. His first season was in 1987 in Turks and Caicos as a windsurf geo, originally from beautiful San Diego, now living in even more beautiful La Jolla. Please help me welcome Mr. Eric Eaton. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm great. Feliz Cinco de Mayo. Oh, that's true. Or as we say in Canada, Cinco de Drinco. All right. <laughs> How uh, Everything okay over there in California? Oh, yeah. A little bit cool today, but we love that because we can spend more time outside. Well, I'm kind of jealous because I actually visited, had the chance and for, good fortune to visit San Diego. And I was so angry when I flew into San Diego, how beautiful it was and people get to live, live there. So you basically moved from one beautiful place <laughs> to another. San Diego to La Jolla, so you must be pretty happy, right? <laughs> Endless summer. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, that was the uh, that was the name I wanted for this podcast, but it had already been taken by a movie and a book. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I settled on my first season. So that's why we're here today. Let's talk about your first season. So if you can take me back in time to uh, where you were living, uh, were you going to school, and how the heck did you find out about Club Med? Yeah, well, I was in Marin County because I had uh, quite a few disappointments in life. I actually broke my back and. I'd had business disappointments, so I, I moved back with the folks to go back to the College of Marin, and I was involved in sports and, uh, you know, some film and video production, uh, but nothing I couldn't cancel out of. A girlfriend broke up with me out of the blue, and while overhearing people at uh, Houlihan's restaurant in Sausalito, I heard them talking about Club Med interviews coming up. So, wait a minute. So, you, you overheard people talking in a restaurant about Club Med? Seriously? Yeah, I was waiting tables and they were sitting in one of my corner booths and the girl was all excited and she thought she was going to go and, and be a baker at uh, Club Med. And after I went to Club Med, I thought, okay, well, you wouldn't quite be the fit in that environment for a baker. But, but yeah, that's how I found out. And a week later, uh, I'd mailed my resume to New York. A week later, they had the interviews in downtown San Francisco. And uh, just a few days later, Jennifer in New York called me and said, hey, congratulations, you're going to the Turks and Caicos Islands as a windsurfing instructor. And my first thought was, where is that? And the second thought was, but I didn't apply as a windsurfing instructor. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's a very good point. What did, you, what did you say you wanted to do? Or did you get the chance to say what you well, wanted to so do? Well, so I redid my resume quite a few times. My grandfather was a great tennis pro. I absolutely didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be involved in basketball because I was Mr. Globetrotter and, you know, been there, done that. And I wanted to be in the water sports. But yeah, I had a letter from Bob Gales, the uh, Commodore of the Mission Bay Yacht Club. And uh from Floyd Smith to Gordon Smith for surfing and skateboarding. And uh, so they just put the two together and said, well, if you can do those things, we'll send you as one surfing instructor. All right. So you knew how to sail then, correct? Correct. And I bought a book actually in Sausalito called Going Windsurfing by Hoyle Schweitzer. Yeah. And that's how I learned to windsurf on the plane. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. On the plane. Yeah. Much different in the ocean where you're going, because as you know, uh, it takes a good a good three months to learn how to windsurf, you know, to get to foot in the straps. I'm talking, you know, and it's very, or as they say, I guess you said back then, it's uh, three minutes to go out and, you know, three weeks to come back type of thing. You know Just what, Greg? After two weeks, I started telling people I'd never windsurfed before and nobody would believe me. 
Nobody. <laughs> well, you can, yeah, but you can teach a beginner. Like I've, I've encountered people that you, you can do a beginner lesson. You can't tell people how to bend your knees and you can teach them that a beginner lesson. Sure. Even if you've never windsurf, but when you get to the more technical and how do I get back, then the, I guess that's, that was a bit different for you, right? No, within, within a week. No, I was doing freestyle before I was really windsurf sailboarding because I didn't want people to know that I couldn't sailboard well. So I was doing different flips and tricks and all the, I mean, I was a freestyle skateboarder. You couldn't, ah, okay. you couldn't knock me out for this thing. Okay. All right. Let's back up a bit then. Um, how did you, how did you know where to send your resume to? Did the people in the restaurant tell you that there was an office in New York? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very upfront, abrupt person. And uh, I said, Hey, that sounds interesting. Yada, yada, yada. And I, I won't be competing with you because I'd be looking at doing sports and uh, you know, what do I do to help me out and uh, really appreciate you helping me along. And can you take me with you? Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that was pretty fortuitous. I mean, to be in a restaurant and people, because there's a lot of uh, geos over the years and the early years, early nineties, late eighties that didn't know that was so secretive on how to apply. Like even for my own experience, yeah. the, the resume, the picture had to be a certain way on top of the resume, the cover letter. And like, if it wasn't, they would throw it out. I mean, so you actually kind of went fast forward and through all that crap and, and got uh, some pretty good firsthand information, right? You saw my resume. I was really yeah, a ringer. Yeah. He, but, no, no. He did send it to me on Facebook, everyone. I can I can vouch for you. Eric is the old, probably the only one that held on to his resume, but I... Well, they gave it back to me. I misspelled the director's name. They scratched it out and handed it back to me and said, hope you enjoy a visit to Club Med. And I thought that meant you're toast. You're going to fly on your own ticket if you ever go. Had you ever gone to a, any resort before, before you applied to Club Med? I, I grew up in resorts. Oh, you my, did. My parents were YMCA uh, counselors, lifeguards, uh, swim instructors, and uh, we had our our family camp still exists on Big Bass Lake, across from what used to be Camp Martin Johnson. So my grandfather was the camp physician. Uh, my parents were in charge of the evening entertainment because they would sing and play instruments and run the campfires. And then, you know, we had different family members doing lifeguard duty and swim lessons and that kind of thing. And, yeah, but it was it was. YMCA. So um, you saw my activity productions. That's, right. <laughs> That's the YMCA call to activity, call to sports. And did you know that just a few years after that, you'd be actually dancing to YMCA? <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke because okay. I, I, I never liked that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to crazy signs later. Um, so <laughs> when you arrived to the village of Turks and Caicos, it, it had only been open three years. So was it like brand spanking pristine new still? No, this was a desert island with brambles and stickers and no trees. And uh, of course, a photographer set up a nursery there and, and greened up the island. But yeah, you know, when I landed, I met Vinnie Bain, who was not a geo at the time. And he became a windsurfing instructor two years later. I helped him along. And uh, man, everybody was just so beautiful. The hostesses, oh my gosh. I mean, I was going gaga. The problem was everybody was in couple. I had arrived two months after the beginning of the season. And, um, you know, it was like, I'm dancing with Donna, the, the best looking hostess but she's in couple with the chief of bar. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's odd for, for Turks and Caicos too, which was uh, when you went to 87 would have been a pretty big singles resort. Correct. Correct. And I had quite a few talks and I would kind of go back and go, okay, so you have a girlfriend, the chief of the village, the chief of bar, the chief of entertainment. How many hours do you sleep a night? And well, wait, the chief of village was married. Uh, he was in couple. What was his, do you recall his name? Oh yeah. Eric George. I mean, really the Eric most George. energetic the most energetic chief I'd 
ever worked with. Where was he from? Uh, Belgium. Belgium. Okay. Okay. So that's another reason why nobody ever saw me playing tennis. I saw the relationship he and Philippe tennis had. I'm like, okay, I don't want to play tennis with you guys. So when did panic set in when, when you, when you found out you had to do your first actual windsurf lesson, was there any panic or you were like, Oh, wing it. I know how to sail. No, 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 no. My, my whole plan was I'm just going to watch, I'm going to learn. And, and so Eric, the chief of windsurfing comes to me that night and says, you know, I have to have inventory mailed out to Paris tomorrow. I'm going to be at the magazine. I'll get the class set up. You're going to teach the class and uh, I'll be back before lunch. And I was like, well, wait, 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 you can't do that. That's not right. And I didn't want to tell people I didn't know how to windsurf, but then I thought, okay, if he's going to ditch me, then at least I'm not going to be observed on my first day trying to get through this. So, okay. So what did you do? Because I'm sorry, this is almost hilarious now because I, you know, I know, I know how to windsurf. I remember how it was in the beginning, but I couldn't imagine being in your spot where I've never, <laughs> never done it. How, how did you fake it? Well, okay. So he calls the class together and people start coming up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to look at the four pages in the book and I'm going to put some suntan lotion on and Jesus Cristo, Dio mio, what am I going to do? And I come out and there are six topless women on the deck. And I turn around, I close the door, and I start getting angry. I thought, you know, you guys are pranking me, and this is wrong. I know I'm the new guy and everything else, but I'm going to go out, and I'm going to put on a little show and go, hey, let's cover this stuff up and move on here. And so I come out ready to be angry, and there are more topless women, and there are topless women all over the beach. And I had to turn around again <laughs> and go back in and close the door and go, okay, this is wrong. Maybe, I, I'm, maybe I'm going to quit. Maybe well, I can't do well, this. Okay, well, okay. Well, this brings me to my culture shock question. So obviously, uh, it was a different time back then in 87, correct? It was a very like, different time. Uh, yeah, was, so. You know, there was European. European club yeah in, yeah what in the Caribbean yeah one of my culture shock questions is that and and even for me that was uh, an issue when I arrived um not to, not not to the extent of, of of the multitude that that you had but yeah that was I what not, not something you get used to and well, I, I um, pointed at myself in the mirror and said you're going to teach topless women to windsurf right now <laughs> and so and then door, you did and I turned my back to them and I did a win lesson and I got through it. And did you uh, fast forward a bit? Did So did you uh, eventually, I'm assuming you became proficient at windsurfing? Oh, oh, within days, I would get up before anybody else, like four in the morning, and I'd go practice. That's why I never nobody ever knew that I didn't know how. And then I just, you know, I was a surfer. I was a skateboarder. I, I, I was a sail. I used to, I used to windsurf on a uh, sunfish sailboat when I was six 12 years old holding the boom. Well, yeah, if you're skateboarding, then you already have your balance. You know, if you're goofy or goofy foot or regular. So yeah, I mean, you, you know, these things, yeah, I'm, I was yeah. goofy, foot, but I was a switch footer. I was originally left okay. switch to right. And I could, I could always switch foot. Yeah. So you're kind of, you're kind of built for picking up windsurfing faster than the regular person. And, and, and besides, you know how to sail. So, you know, uh, okay. Uh, wind at my back and all that, you know, tack and jibe is the same thing basically. And, uh, well, you know, I, I learned by watching other people make mistakes. So if you let me watch other people windsurf, I don't have to be on the board. I will just get up and I will do what I saw other people doing. Correct. Okay. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's one way to do it for sure. Uh, in, in your interview, did they mention the, um, work schedule like did they mention to you that uh, hey eric this is seven days a week roughly 16 hours a day no and i was a bit distressed and they didn't mention the dress code etc and the first morning they told me i couldn't go into breakfast and i had to go spend my life savings to buy new clothes and this and that before i could even eat so i was like whoa okay ouch all right um <laughs> yeah so uh, do you remember what you, uh, you what, what were you getting paid a month back then do you remember well 
it was, I believe it was 525. They bumped me to 825 well, when I became. Whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. <laughs> How could that be? I, in 94, I started in Turks and Caicos at 450 a month. How could you have been making more money back then in 87? That's weird. Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> maybe well, I was, maybe I remember maybe incorrectly. I remember what I. I or it could, be I'm, it could be because I'm Canadian. I don't know. <laughs> No, that was. So the French were paid more than the Americans, the Canadians. Yes, that, that I knew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense now. And that was, that was wrong. Okay. That was just wrong. So after how many weeks did, were you looking around at other jobs and saying, you know what, I, I'd like to do what that guy's doing? Or did you say, you know what, I'm going to conquer this windsurf thing and I'm going to stay a windsurf sail geo? You know, I really liked windsurfing. The interesting thing was that um, I would have liked to have done many of the jobs. You know, I had a girlfriend for a while that was a snorkeling instructor. And then I found out what was going on on the picnics and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be a part of this and I wouldn't be a snorkeling geo. And I loved the idea of being a DJ because I, I, I was very good at that, but then I didn't like the hours. And then I looked at management and thought, you know, I can go home, make 12 to $1,600 a week, working four days a week and taking three days off. Why do I want to get paid a little bit to do all of that stuff? So I had the boat. I mean, the windsurfing beach was where all the best looking girls hung out. I was going to do a one season deal and be done in my mind. Okay. And um, brings me back to another question I had. So what month, let's start from what, you, you recall what month you arrived or it, time it, period? It in February. Oh, February. Okay. So you had, you had missed the big Christmas and New Year's rush. So were you happy that you missed that or would you rather have been there for those very long, hardworking days? Um, you know, it seemed easier and more difficult when the, the, the village was full. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain that. You know, I didn't like seeing people that didn't have a room to go to. And so I used to put people up at the windsurfing shack. When the village was completely full, there'd be roommates getting locked out left and right. And I, I didn't like that. And so that was a bummer. I didn't like, you know, well, here's a shower. There's a bathroom over by the bar. Okay. But, can, I, um, can I interject just for a second? Are you saying they oversold the village? This was like, no, this was like a common booked. thing back then? It would be booked and then yes. some roommate would lock the other roommate out. Oh, oh okay. Oh, understood. Understood. Got it. Okay. Sorry. Okay, go I had, on. I had actually six girls staying in my room one week and I wasn't there, but all the rumors went out. Now I'm the big playboy, but I was just trying to be a nice guy. Okay. I got, okay. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, yeah. I thought they oversold it, but yeah, that's, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because back then if you were two singles and you didn't want to spend the money for right. a, and you shared a room and you had to put up with whatever roommate you were, you were put up with. Okay. And I always kept blankets and pillows. I mean, we all crashed if we could, you know, windsurfing shack. And so then I was like, okay, well, I need to keep, you know, a bunch of lounge chairs hanging around and sheets and pillows and, you know, geeks, yikes. Did you earn a nickname while you were there or anything? I had a nickname from early years in skiing, the Fanatic. And that lasted through my triathlon years. But at uh, Turquoise, I didn't, other than my mom and I used to correspond using Big Loves and Happy Thoughts. And she would write things on the outside of her envelopes. And Big Loves was one of them. And some people would make fun of me. But then I would write form letters. I would write 10 to 15 letters every single week. And they always paid me back with all kinds of interesting things. But I would use big loves and happy thoughts in these form letters. And then I started getting mail back for big loves at windsurfing. And people are like, what's going on here? Well, this is something I did with my mom. Oh, yeah, sure, Eric. About how long did you, uh, how long was your stint in Turks and Caicos, your first season? How long were you there? So I came in two months late and uh, I just wanted to stay and I decided I wanted to go to Copper. 
So I think I ended up there over nine months. Okay. And I just loved it there. You couldn't, you couldn't drag me away. I, I was like, I'll, I'll take every last day, please. Thank you. Were you a big uh, participator in the shows? Were you good, a uh, light on your feet? Like, were you, uh, were you? Well, so I didn't like any of the shows, but they okay. put me in shows like immediately. One fantastic night. And again with Donna, yeah. And then uh, Paris Paradis. And then three weeks in, they want me to be Rocky. And I'm like, okay, now I got to transition from board shorts into a banana hammock and have you know, no tan lines. I mean, come on, guys. You mean Rocky Balboa? No, Rocky, Rocky. In the oh, 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 yes. So, uh, oh, for, um, and wait. they hand me this cassette. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, well, this is, this is, inter this is interesting. Because I, beautiful to be old. I had to do Rocky my first season in Turks, uh, replacing a Greek god of a guy named Big Ed. So yeah, I did, and I'd never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. Didn't know what I no, was doing, I, and no. like you, they hand you here's your uniform, and they yes, they hand you a banana hammock, and where's the rest of it? That's all there is. And, we're gonna put glitter on you, and yeah, ow. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it was traumatizing for me because I'd never been on stage, and every all these New Yorkers, oh, yeah. six hundred New Yorkers, are hooting and hollering and whipping uh, toilet paper rolls at your head, right? So, right, uh, <laughs> right, right. The wrappings come off, and like six hundred women explode, and it's like, whoa, same bathing suit I wore today. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I was well. I me personally, I was traumatized from doing it. I don't know about you, how your Ooh. Rocky experience was, but uh, well, it wasn't even that. You know, I I ran from girls that chased me my whole life. And as soon as you do something like that, it's like knock, knock, knock on your door. You've got people following you around, waiting in front of the restaurant. It's like, oh, come on. I just want to have lunch. So did so did you continue uh, doing Rocky for the rest of the season? And uh, no, Rocky Horror? Like five years. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> got it. All right. Looking for a man, blonde hair and a tan. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, did you, did, so I guess you kind of had a love-hate with Crazy Signs then maybe? Or you just like certain ones? Yeah. Here's what's funny. I had all kinds of weird things going on with other geos and they tried to prank me way too often. And I didn't prank people back, but one of my pranks for them was I'd get so excited about crazy signs and I'd be jumping around and they'd be making these faces like, oh, I'm being punished. And it was my way of having fun to just go off on crazy signs. I didn't like, it. I like she's fresh, but everything else was like, okay, I, I understand why you do this. We had different things at the YMCA, but you know, I, I get it. You want to perk people up. Are you saying, are you talking about She's Fresh, the song? Yeah. There was a crazy sign to She's Fresh. That, oh yeah. That was the uh, first season turquoise. Yeah. Not exactly an energetic crazy sign, but okay. <laughs> um, actually it was a really, it was a fun one. And it, well, it required you have a couple of reasonable dance steps at your. Okay. In, in oh, never heard of that one before. All right. I think that was an Eric George. Was that was that one of your top three? Oh, that was the top one. Oh, okay. I mean, I like crazy signs because I could do that brain dead. I mean, uh, hands up, excuse me. Yeah. And I liked, you know, some of the others, the sun dance, crocodile rock was okay. The duck dance, throw that away. And, you know, it was, uh, it was fine. If the guests liked it, I was up for it. They were paying for me to be there. I was so gifted that they were paying for me to be there. It was like, okay, anything you guys want. You want me to stand on my head? I'm doing it. So from what little I know about you, you sound like a pretty extroverted person. So eating meals with guests three times a day at a table, strangers was probably nothing for you, right? Right. Well, camp counselors, Presbyterian minister, psychotherapist, dad, sure. You know, one of my things was that I figured every opportunity at a table was a gift because there could be a future opportunity. There could be um, who knows what. And sure, you could be interrogated. You could have, you know, you could have women chasing you around. But what I did was with windsurfing, I got my group together and I'd say, okay, we're going to have our windsurfing table. So I can choose who I get to sit with. 
and especially regatta days, et cetera. I would actually recruit girls from the class and say, hey, can you hold my hand to lunch? I need some girl repellent. How about if we have lunch and we get these people? And, and uh, so I just kind of made a game out of it. Were there any managers or employees that stood out to you that first season, like made a good impression on you? Oh, absolutely. That, well, that you Eric, looked up to? Eric, yeah, Eric George was the uh, Energet Ever Ready Bunny, but um, Philippe Assoon, chief of tennis, he was just over the top. Uh, Barry Colmer in water ski, he only lives like 12 blocks away now. Super energetic, great water skier. Yeah, there, there were a bunch of people. Chief, the chief of sports was in there. Um, you know, the, the sailing team was okay. Frederick was great. I actually complained and warned people and there ended up being a big accident. The absolute, I told you so. But um, so there were people that were energetic. There are people that are well qualified and there are other people that, you know, I thought were a little sketchy. Did you have any occasion to learn a new skill while you were there? Like, I know, I know you didn't get a day off then, but did you ever have time an hour here to learn a sport that you hadn't tried yet? Well, windsurfing, of course, I had not tried. And when Eric <laughs> came on to be my partner, he was the most competitive guy and we both wanted to be chief of windsurfing and he and I competed, competed, competed all the way down to the last second. I bet you can't do this. This is impossible. And I loved that. That was just, and I, I learned everything that I didn't know about windsurfing, but people, I learned a lot about people and uh, my dad would help coach me on how to prevent complaints and we'd profile them like the last resort couple or Dr. Longletter or hair correct. And so once you make a profile and say, okay, here's how this person operates and here's how we need to reverse them or push pull and get them moving in a happy direction. That was, that was fun. It was kind of like a team sport. Are you saying that uh, back then the windsurfing and sailing were separate? There was a head of sailing and a head of windsurfing? It wasn't all together? Yeah, and we couldn't communicate. I mean, literally I would go over and say, you know, I think we should talk about how we do boat rescues and this and that. And they'd say, well, you're windsurfing and we're sailing. Okay. Well, we should be able to talk about this. And I don't like the way you're bringing windsurf boards in. And it ended up in an accident that cost 9 million bucks. So I guess that's why it's all under one roof now. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Well, yeah. depending on if it's a, uh, I know with some of the bigger villages were, were made for uh, windsurfing, like, um, like Noumea, New Caledonia. So that was, but that was a massive windsurfing village. So the sailing and at the time uh, were, were separate, but uh, okay. I was just curious about that. Well, St. Lucia, my favorite. The Hope oh yes, that. exactly. Yeah. Did you have any hurricanes your first season? Uh, no. So that was the year of the uh, Comet, Haley's Comet. And that year there were almost no hurricanes and people surmised it was because of the Comet. I don't know, but we had um, a couple of big storms, including one that dumped 20 inches in one hour, but we had an interesting day where a water spout appeared out of nowhere. Oh yeah. And we didn't have that much wind and I'm trying to call people in and they're looking at me, you know, saying, Hey, it's not time. I, I can be here. And I'm pointing out to the, the funnel and they're like, help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I saw mine the first time too, I was in the restaurant. I didn't know if I would, what to do. Cause you know, obviously to the non, uh, you know, non-informed, it looks like a, a tornado coming at you. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah. And I've never seen well, one. I'm, I'm from Canada. So here it is on the ocean coming towards the beach and I'm eating right. lunch going, uh, should I say something right now? Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an odd thing. It comes out of nowhere and then it just leaves. There was, but... there was no wind. And yeah, exactly. Paddling and trying to get in. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm moving fast and I think it's okay, but I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'd never seen one before, so I didn't know what, what to do. <laughs> I'll <It's, laughs> just keep eating lunch. Maybe someone else will notice it and, and, and alert the proper authority. <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh my gosh. Oh, cool. And that's, that's too often what would happen, though. 
I mean, it really did happen between sailing and windsurfing. You guys are lazy. I end up doing all the security and, you know, they're sitting in the shade laughing. So, so they're like, oh, that's your guy. You got to go rescue him. He's wins. you know, they, they wouldn't just like, if it's a well, sailor, I'll I, get. I'd love to be in the boat. And so I just like to be out there anyway. One of the okay. CEOs literally could not get into the boat. The other, they all wore glasses. I'm like, what is this thing with sensory depri- deprivation on the beach where people are supposed to be lifeguards? You can't hear me. You can't see me. What are we really doing here? Oh, you had lifeguards back then? Well, we were lifeguards. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. We, yes. We had permanence. We had to rescue people. We had to save people. We had to resuscitate. And I was the only one on the beach with any certs. I'm like, okay, so what if something happens to me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you were in Turks and Caicos. Give me your best clean Jojo the dolphin story, please. Well, so when they made me responsible, I had to go out and uh, check out the boat. And the boat had not been run in two weeks because I was there by my own. And during that time, sailing was doing security. And I really just, I was just overwhelmed. I'm doing all of the classes, everything, everything, everything. And uh, yeah, it was just crazy. So I swim out to the boat and I, you know, drop the motor, steering looks okay. Got a little corrosion, need some cleanup here and there. The battery needed to be serviced. And so the numbers all check out and I go to unhook the boat, take it for a little troll. And the anchor lines wrapped around the mooring line, like it's a hundred times. And I'm thinking to myself, how could that have happened? So I get the face mask out from under the seat. I hop in, I untie the anchor. I start unraveling this thing. And as I came up one time for a breath, I heard a sound and I looked to the side and hear these teeth and this mouth right in front of my face mask. I'm like, whoa. So here's this big sea creature. And I'd heard of Jojo. I just hadn't seen him. And so I thought, okay, everybody's going to laugh at me. It's my first day in charge. If I go in, you know, I'm a loser. So just deal with it and keep going. So I unwrap the rope a couple of times and he gra- goes down and wraps the rope around. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm like, what the heck? So we do this a couple of times and then I think, okay, I'm going to wrap it around. So I wrap it around a couple of times and whoop, 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 he unravels it. So finally I get the anchor free. I jump in the boat and uh, he grabs the anchor line and starts pulling. And I'm literally starting to tear up going, this is, this is psycho crazy. And I started screaming at him, you stupid fish. And that was my nickname for him forever after, you stupid fish. So anyway, I wrap the line around the console. He gives up. I break free from the mooring line so he can't, you know, re-entangle us. And he swims around in circles and I finally get the anchor in. So we start patrolling around. He started body slamming the boat and jumping over the back. And I was like, wow, man, I wanted flipper, but I don't know about this. I mean, I'm going to have to deal with this dolphin now. So um, yeah, I taught him to come in by bringing a chain underwater. He eventually started giving me rides by taking my hand in his mouth, which was wrong to do. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. And I taught him a few other things. I'd slap my hand to get him to jump on the water. I'd giggle in my snorkel in order to get him excited and, uh, all of those things were, were wrong, but nobody was watching and nobody told me I couldn't. And so that's what we did. I did end up having to go back in 89 and uh, many of those behaviors were corrected at that time. But I, I, yeah, I played with the dolphin too much. I really probably should not have. So at the time in 87, um, I can't remember his name. It might've been Dean. Uh, there was a, a marine Dean. biologist. Okay. So he was not there in, at your time? So he was. And oh, he so um, we nicknamed him the evil smiley man because he'd come down on the beach and I never said anything. I knew he was watching me in the dolphin and I would anywhere I went with the motorboat, Jojo would follow. And Dean Bernal did not have a boat. 
And so he would come down and he'd stand on the beach with his hands on his hips and say, you know, I'm allowed to be here. And I just wouldn't say anything. And it was like, you know, if you only realize that I'd like to ditch the dolphin, I'd like you to take the dolphin away. When I wouldn't play with Jojo, for example, if I wouldn't let him give me a ride, he'd try to grab my foot and drag me. And if I wouldn't come out, he would start knocking down windsurfers and pulling, you know, turning sailboats around in circles and people are yelling shark. And so I either had to play with Jojo or he was problematic. And so I would, I would have been happy if Dean had talked and been a nice person, but you know, he'd been complaining and he, he was petitioning to have the water skiing shut down permanently and uh, didn't want any motorboats in Grace Bay. And I, I thought that was too much. You, you want to get rid of the motorboats because you don't have one and Jojo likes motorboats. Okay. So you're the one who started the the chain thing because uh, when I, when I swam with him, when I was scuba gestion, I realized his favorite game was pulling that chain and make noise. But every time I pulled that heavy chain, I'd sink under the water and swallow all the water in my snorkel. But uh, you know, what's interesting is I would, I would, I would, I was a treasure hunter and I would go off at dawn patrol with Jojo basically most every day. And if I didn't, he'd he'd prank me. He'd get upset and he'd slap me with his tail and all kinds of things. But, you know, we would, we would go off and uh, it was just my favorite thing to do is like having a dog. You know, your ultimate shark patrol. Well, yeah, it's... I almost got... I literally should have died twice from shark attacks going off on my own. Yeah, I mean, it's a... it's a, You know, not many people can say they swam with a wild dolphin. So it's... Yeah, it's a highlight from my first season there as well. I mean, I'm sure it's yours too. I mean... Oh, when I saw... When I knew there was a dolphin, I was like, okay, I'm going to ride him. I'm going to do this and that. But the chain thing. So I noticed anytime I threw a chain uh, anchor out, he'd hear that. And so I thought, okay, since I had close encounters with sharks, I thought, you know what? I'll bet you those sharks, when you throw an anchor out, they hear the chain and they're thinking you're fishing and they're coming to check you out. So I, I, I was the one that plastic coated the chains. Well, it's only about after three months, I, after swimming with him and he knew me, I wanted to touch him. But every time I went to touch him, he just slowly opened his mouth and then you see the rows of sharp teeth. And then finally, finally, I, I asked Dean, I said, uh, is he going to bite me? And he said, oh, no, 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 he, he's playing. He goes, when he bites, when he goes to bite you, Greg, you'll never see it coming. And sure enough, I saw him bite someone else and it's that fast, you know. And <laughs> he was biting people. Because he, he really did not bite people. Even well, if, well, this person, as we mentioned, touched, oh. touched the blowhole, which uh-huh. you're not supposed to do on a dolphin. And uh, and it's true. It's as quick. It's a blink of an eye fast. So, yeah. So he was just playing with me by opening his mouth slowly. He would have done it without me knowing if he was going to bite me. So. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I tried to contact that guy many times. He certainly knows who I am. But I think he does not want me to be any part of the JoJo story and also understands that he could not play with Jojo. I mean, I was his favorite dance partner. If I was around, Dean was not going to have any time with Jojo. Jojo was basically Jojo was friends with everyone. If you know, if he liked you. <laughs> so at that time, he he really only interacted with me. Yeah. I mean, there were there were a couple of geos at the water ski and Robert. Uh, the sailing geos were all just terrified. They they were afraid to swim in the ocean. Period. So yeah, it was I was his frequent frequent friend. Yeah, and it's uh, probably a, a memory you'll you'll cherish forever. Correct. Oh my gosh! And who could believe? Uh, here's a the point in the podcast where I ask for a very funny, clean, appropriate story. It doesn't have to be funny, but do you have something memorable, an experience that happened to you? Not other than JoJo, obviously, which is huge, but do you have something with a guest, like memorable guests? Uh, you know, well, I have I have many, 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 but I'll tell you one morning, and I was usually the first one down on the beach. And for whatever reason, I was not this day. Who knows? And I asked some people to take windsurf boards down to the water. And they started shouting and, and I ran down there and there are bits of $120 bills all over the place. 
and we're like, whoa. And of course, so we start collecting bills and the sailing geos are sitting up in the shade, not even knowing what's going on. And I said, hey, you know, you guys get in the boat. I'm going to take you over this cove. And so we we picked up all the, the flots and jetsam we could. And we went to the uh, theater and we started calling out serial numbers like, you know, bingo or something. Believe it or not, we did not match two serial numbers. Uh, so I had all of these halves of 20s and 100s and the chief of village and the chief of sports are coming over. And I heard them saying, you know, a lot of people would like to have those those uh, pieces of money. And I thought, oh, they're going to take this away. So I grabbed 120 real quick, <laughs> stuffed them in my pocket. And sure enough, they distributed all the parts. Yeah, that was fun. And wait, wait, wa- wait, wait, wait. Sorry, just to back up a bit. You found these where? Uh, on the shore, washed up. Okay. Did anyone um, offer a possible reason why that money would be there or just oh, I, can tell you, I can tell you why if you watch the movie blow uh long oh. jack long jack island was 80 miles to the windward got it and that was the main hub for cocaine distribution and apparently they had so much money that they wouldn't try to count it they would weigh it <laughs> yeah okay that's probably where the money came from okay <laughs> I, would, I would i would think it's that's you know. and so- it, it, it could have come from anywhere but <laughs> All right. So you do your stint at um, Turquoise. You finish up there. Now, do they give you like a dream sheet back then for your second season? Uh, they kept asking me to. And I said, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll do Copper Mountain snow ski. And they said, well, you know, you didn't you didn't even apply for that up front. And I said, well, I, I work for Oshman Sporting Goods as a ski tech. I, you know, I'd, I'd win most race days and demo days. They nicknamed me the Fanatic on a trip to Sun Valley, Idaho. I think I'm pretty good. Um, I'd like to go to Copper Mountain. So they kept saying, well, we've got this other thing for you, uh, land sports here. Did I ask for land sports? Well, but, well, I didn't ask for land sports and I, I like water sports, but I, I, I'll go ski. So they, they sent me and it was, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out for a number of different reasons. And, and I didn't think I was treated properly. And so I, I wasn't going to work for Club Med anymore, but they called, they kept calling. And what, about a month and a half later, they sent me to St. Lucia. And for me, that was just the end of the rainbow because within, within three months, I, I was as good at windsurfing as anybody. I mean, high performance. I was, I think I may have done the first killer loop out by uh, the Maria Islands off that little okay. island. There's a ramp. Yes, yes. So they sent you uh, as windsurf geo to St. Lucia. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you perfected the feet and the straps and harness and... Uh... Well, if you if you look at my Facebook, my my cover, so I, I would do a stunt that people called cheating. Well, I would put my hands behind my back and my head back and control the sail with my hips while I controlled the board with my feet in a full layout position. Yeah. And in fact, what happens is you have less weight on the board, more wind in your cloth. And if other people can't do that, they can't go as fast. That's not cheating. It's just competitive advantage. But my, my balance was so good that I could do that for miles. And it was like relaxing. I'd just be hanging there watching the world go by and just well not only yeah is that a perfect balance move but it's also you've you've fine-tuned the exact place where to put your harness lines you know exactly how high the mass goes up on the boom your foot stretch you know it's so i had a few cheats i had a uh, i broke my windsurfing hawaii boom they sent me a windsurfing hawaii gorilla grip there's no boom that could have took it taken the load that i was putting on it they also sent me a windsurfing hawaii um, mast foot and that thing if i push my board down flat on the ground with a full sail, it would bring the sail up. I mean, it was like, <laughs> this thing was rigid. And then I had a, a Maui and Sons fiber spar that I uh, had actually given to me, Sausalito sailboards. So I, I had the right equipment. Now, did your 
ClubMed career end with St. Louis or did you continue on? No, I, I kept going. I kept trying to quit. I okay. Was, <laughs> so how long did you spend approximately in ClubMed? So I, I finished up, well, I did the Club Med one and uh, my girlfriend and I went to Guadeloupe and that was hard for her because her French was not so good. And then uh, I took a break and then I uh, finished up in Cancun in 94, which people called the season. Well, that's, well, that's when I started. So who was the chief in 94 at Cancun? Uh, that would have been Ario Stern. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the season. Okay. And so yeah, we had Handel and Hammer and Jenner and Sparrow and Cheezer and, you know, the long timers that, um, yeah. those, guys, those guys all started in 89. Those, those guys were baby geos. I mean, we taught them how to water ski and scuba dive. Then to see them in 94, like the big dude. So it was like, wow, this is great. What were you doing aboard the Club Med uh, one? Uh, windsurfing. Well, okay. and uh, relation public uh, anglophonic. Did you like uh, life aboard the ship? I loved it. You know, my chief of villages typically really liked me. Uh, Francoise Agravier, she loved me. I mean, I was her, literally her go-to. I was, you know, her English wasn't that good. And she would put me into all kinds of situations. And I'll never forget one day, uh, she, she uh, motioned, is it okay? And I said, done. She said, quoi done? I said, tu complète fini. Oh, je t'aime done. <laughs> so from now on, that was like her little coach. You'd be done? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> They want to right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I, you know, I, I always said I never wanted to go aboard the Club Med one, but then one day I was in Bodrum, Turkey, and it was in port and yeah. we got to go aboard for the day. Then I quickly changed my mind because once you're aboard, you just see the luxury and the beauty and you can visit all these places. So I, I kind of think I goofed on that one. I probably should have asked for it sooner. So, so was that one of your memorable highlights of your Club Med career, the Club Med one? You know, it really was. And I was, I was actually so you know, valued that they let me bring my girlfriend on who had never been a geo. And, uh, you know, everybody was like, well, that's wrong. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be chief of sports. I don't want to be chief of village. You know, you don't have anybody better. I mean, be nice to me. You're not paying me as much as everybody else. <laughs> why, why didn't you want to be a chief of sports? Um, oh, Greg. I mean, just like the guys at sailing, I'm like, these guys can't see and hear. I'm looking at power cords all over the place. I mean, I'd been sued for nightclub problems. I'd been sued for industrial issues. I'm looking around going, there's no way I'm taking responsibility for a lot of these people. And you know, everybody, every, the, the main people I asked to be dismissed or fired and on the Club Med One, I had somebody banned from using a boat. Okay. He caused a death. So did the others. And so I was too often correct that there were people that really shouldn't be there. And then people are dying and getting injured. And I would not, I would not stand for that. No way. Well, true. There is a lot of, uh, yeah, you're right. And with any chief of village or chief of sport, the responsibility yeah. for. I, I, I liked all of those people, but I, I thought, you know, I wouldn't trust you and I would fire you because I don't trust you to do your job well. And then I'd be correct. So do you have a favorite season? Like I use the word magical. So I don't know if you use that word, but of all the seasons you've done from, uh, from 87 up to 94, was there one that stood out as magical? Was it your first one? The Turks well, I, because it was the first absolutely. one? I mean, Haley's comment, Greg, I walked out my first night. I walked out at 2 30 in the morning I'm, I'm a navigator a stargazer and i was like wow this is like being in a science fiction movie this is crazy and then um you know just all of the things you learn your first season and jojo and the boat and you know i i i, I just uh, had so much fun with people and uh, the letter writing the only problem with the letter writing which i never anticipated was that girls might take it the wrong way and then not only do you have a fan club but you have a repeat offender club and that, that 
became a little awkward other seasons, but, um, you know, I just had so much fun and with the people and learning. I mean, I just, I'm a mimic. I would like to get on the bus and go, okay, Eric gets to guess. And I would say, you're from Sheepshead Bay. You're from the city. You don't want anybody to know, but that's okay. You're from Quebec. And I just, I had so much fun doing that people thing my first season at uh, Turquoise. And I, I didn't do it the same way after. I mean, we had this game on the beach where we would try to guess where somebody was from as they walked down the beach and you try to greet them in the language that you thought they were from. And if, if you're incorrect, you just spout out a couple of other greetings, just like, oh, well, I'm just being international. But that was just so fun to play with people and have no TV, no radio, no interference. Um, and and people, if I if you did a good job, they didn't bother you. I think, you know, people knew I was going out of the village for dinner often. They knew that I was going diving elsewhere often. They knew I was taking off in the boat early in the morning often, but then when it counted, I was 100%. And so you, that was the great thing. I could get away with what I felt like a lot of things, but then all I had to do was show up and put a lot of energy in, which seemed pretty easy. And if there's a future geo or geo wannabe or someone who's thinking about it is on the fence, do you think, uh, would you suggest they try it for at least six months? Like, I, go if for it? it even, if you tried it even for a month, it would change your life. I loved seeing new instructors come on that were, you know, not necessarily taking my first class, but, you know, at anything new sailing instructor and they're now teaching classes in front of people. And then a few weeks later, they're up on stage. And a couple of weeks after that, they're up doing crazy signs like, Hey, you know, we're the man, you know, some guys are jealous. How can you blame us? We live a lifestyle of the rich and famous. So they come from these cocoons and they open up and become butterflies. And the big thing I would tell anybody is take advantage of the people time. A lot of geos didn't like being at table and talking to people, man, that's like a treasure trove. I mean, that's, you want you want to look for buried treasure it's right there i mean you'd, you'd meet famous people every day and you didn't know it i mean my boss uh, nikki marcelino her husband jaco marcelino had gone to turquoise and of course he was the lead singer, singer for shanana but i didn't know and so we were surrounded by famous and wealthy and interesting important people and uh man your your greatest gift is to be able to sit down and 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 oftentimes you wouldn't know when they were there you'd get a letter later and like i'll never forget getting a poster from peter max saying thank you for my new secretary and this was somebody that i taught to windsurf i was very nice with there was no romance um but she became my really my best first week sailboarder and uh those little surprises were just fun you get a christmas card from somebody that says a you know a political person or or something else. I was like, wow, I was hanging out with this person. I didn't, I had no clue. That is some story, uh, Eric, and the very, very nice sentiment to, to end that with. But I uh, really want to take the time to thank you for sharing your story with us today. I know you got a lot, a lot, lot more. So uh, <laughs> who knows, maybe down the road, we'll have you on for part two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I do appreciate you taking time to uh, to sit with me and uh, and give us your story. But, but the last thing I would tell you sure. is that, um, being gracious and accepting and not rigid. There were so many times where I'd look around and see people say, "Oh, you're five minutes late. The class has started." I'm sorry. I didn't like that. I would I would play around with that and go. <laughs> the more the merriment. Come on down. <laughs> And uh, I didn't understand why other geos were so rigid because it was, it was so much more fun just to bring people in and go, okay, you're late. You're, you're in the back of the line. And I may not be able to give you personal time, but if you get out on the water, I'll swing by in the boat and I'll tell you what you're doing wrong or stupid. That's right. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs>
Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Mr. Eric Eaton from California. Eric, I really want to thank you again, man. I really had a good time with you. And uh, hopefully when this is all over, we'll get to meet up someday. (laughs) My thanks to you. Fun. All right, everyone. Uh, We'll see you all next week. Bye.